On behalf of the family, I want to thank you for joining us today. We've gathered here to worship God, and we're going to bear witness to the resurrection of Jesus as we celebrate the life of Gary Wickert. We come together in grief. We acknowledge our human loss, but we pray that God would grant us grace, that in pain we may find comfort, in sorrow we might find hope. Please hear the word of the Lord this morning from Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Almighty God, maker of heaven and earth, you alone are worthy of our honor, of our worship. And as we remember and celebrate Gary's life, we honor you as we honor him as one of your children. Lord, our hearts are painfully saddened today as we consider how sudden, how unexpected Gary's passing was. But in your boundless compassion, console us as we mourn. Father, let us truly know what it means to experience your peace. Bless our time together in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. So there's a story that Bonnie recently told her kids about, about Gary. Uh, in the first years of their marriage, she was actually able to get him to sing a duet with, him, with her at the piano. The hymn was channels only. Now, their performance never went beyond the front room of the house, but the memory sticks in her mind. They sat side by side on the bench with him singing melody and her harmonizing the alto.
Gary Wickert was born July 14, 1955, in Hutchison, to Marion and Ann Wickert, deceased. He lived in rural Bueller until he passed away from a heart attack on March 26, 2022. He was 66. Gary graduated from Bueller High School in 1973. Gary married Bonnie Willems at the Zora MB Church on September 16, 1978. They started a family in 1983 with Eric. Brent was born in 1985 and Esty in 1987. Gary and Bonnie were married 43 years. He loved his family. Growing up, Gary attended Orchard Park Church in Hutchison. At the church meeting, he went forward to accept Jesus as his savior. He was baptized on July 5, 1970 at a lake near Hutchison. He became a member of the Bueller Mennonite Brethren Church on June 21, 1973. Gary grew up on a farm and learned his life's work. He talked many times about he and his sister came home from school and had to herd sheep in the pasture instead of watching TV. He was an expert hay baler in Bonnie's opinion and worked day and night at the right time to get the hay baled. He also, he also farmed wheat and over the years raised cattle, sheep, and pigs. To supplement farming, he worked at a feed mill and did carpentry work. As a carpentry, he was more than a designer than you might guess. He designed and built the home him and Bonnie, for him and Bonnie, which they lived, moved into val on Valentine's Day, 1980. He and his wife served over the years as children's church leaders, MBY sponsors, junior high sponsors and greeters in that order. Currently, he helped on the funeral food committee serving coffee and making people feel welcome. Gary enjoyed watching his kids participate in activities like 4-H livestock shows, sports games, concerts, and FFA. At these events, there were always opportunities for good visits. He helped his kids quite a bit as adults, just ask them. Gary enjoyed family gatherings with the Willems family, especially the Wickert clan. Most every year, Christmas was a week-long event at his folks' house with much food, laughter, and games. There were so many stories to tell with four sisters and three brothers. He loved to tease his grandchildren and liked to tell them about things going on on the farm. Gary fits the category of didn't know a stranger. He could find a conversation connection points about everybody, men or women. He loved to tell stories and talk about farming, and he talked about his faith in God with some farmers and some hay and straw truckers that came from all over the country. He really did mostly enjoy life. His favorite pastime was morning coffee with his friends and acquaintances at the Mustard Seed and the Inman Cafe. Surely something would be open. <laughs> he also liked to watch westerns on TV, take naps, and go out to eat. <coughs> Gary knew he was a child of the king. He chose 1 John 3, verse 1 through 3 as a scripture passage for his wedding. It begins, How great is the love that our Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. Gary was currently reading in the book of Acts, and the marker was on chapter 8. So this is probably a passage he just read. Heaven is my throne room. I rest my feet on earth. What kind of house will you build for me, says God? Where can I get away and relax? It's already built, and I built it. We will rest assured that Gary is safely with Jesus in God's house. The family appreciates your love and concern. Growing up, Gary attended Orchard Park Church with a few other families. He often spoke fondly of that time and the people there. He specifically remembered singing Child of the King as a boy while attending there.
You might say my dad was a jack of all trades, master of many, and fake it till you make it of the rest. <laughs> that means that uh, growing up, I felt like dad could do or fix anything. Yeah, he usually could. Uh, as I learned here in the past few years, though, if he couldn't quite make it, he could make it close enough. Uh, and if he couldn't do that, he knew who to call. Uh, as I said earlier, through dad's willingness and ability to fix and create. He's always been in demand for us as kids and others too. Uh, Eric worked most of his days solving problems with dad, sometimes creating and then solving problems with dad. Uh, for Cindy and for me, uh, dad was our constant helper. First when we remodeled our house here in Bueller on Main Street uh, and then more recently when we built our house uh, on some of his land north of town. You know, I knew Dad uh, was too busy to be the contractor builder guy, uh, but that didn't stop him from coming around a lot. He'd rope Gib into coming with him, and they'd show up to do something or, or help us get something done. Yeah, you know, even if Dad was an hour later than he said he was going to be, you know, Gib was on time, but he'd help us get a lot done, and, and we so appreciated that and, and loved it. Uh, of late, his passion for providing firewood for our house and our wood-burning stove uh, really was a tangible way uh, that I could appreciate my dad's love and care for me and my family. I'll never forget it. I told him in the hospital here in Hutch, I said, uh, jokingly, Cindy was cold and she was mad at you that we didn't have firewood, Dad, but I think she'll forgive you. Uh, I know that he smiled when I said that, and uh, for those of us who were there at the end, we, we knew Dad could hear us, even when he couldn't do much else. Uh, for Esty, Dad always had a to-do list at her house, 
she just would write it down on a piece of paper so whenever dad would come around she could get him to do something. It might be something easy or simple, maybe hang a picture or something on the wall. It could be more complex, could even be something mechanical. Uh, recently, Esty even had a number of jobs that dad was able to do for her helping to uh, finish her basement. So he would, he again, maybe didn't have time for it all the time, uh, but he'd be out here doing something else with us and he'd say, you know, I need to get over to Sis's house. I've got to do this, that, and the other, and Sis is waiting on me to get it done, so he'd make time. Uh, Dad was a hard and a fast worker. I think fast was more important than hard to him. <laughs> you know, and I don't know that anyone walked as fast everywhere as my dad did. I know Mom rarely did. <laughs> uh, Eric and I have done our best our whole lives to try to keep up with Dad's steps, chasing him around the farm. And, uh, you know, even now, I think Eric probably does the best of anybody at keeping the pace. Our dad didn't like being bored. If he was working, he wanted to be working. If he was resting, he was asleep. <laughs> if he was visiting with friends, he wanted to be just visiting. Whenever one thing was done, he was ready for the next thing. Even at the end, we joked that Dad would have wanted us to let him hurry up, get out of the hospital and be well, or, or hurry up and just let him go be with Jesus. Don't waste my time doing things that aren't fun or aren't good. Like Mom said, Dad was always looking for fun. If it wasn't fun, Dad had a real limited amount of patience for it. <laughs> I think maybe that's why us kids have developed such a sense of humor. That way, we always had something to share with Dad. Being funny was very near the core of my dad's personality. I think at some funerals, uh, people try to come up with maybe one or two humorous stories about the deceased. And, you know, I think I could barely cover a week or two if I had only two funny stories about my dad. Uh, many of you probably have memories that you can think of of the time where uh, you shook your head or you laughed at something my dad said or did. Uh, just a couple I'll hit, and these are by no means uh, higher than any others, but I always remember my dad as a kid, we would uh, race people at the stoplights in Hutch. <laughs> so he'd kind of rev his engine and pump his brakes. You know, even if, if it was in his truck, great, but even in our old Caprice Classic, he'd do it. <laughs> I don't think he ever did in that minivan that we had, but he knew he couldn't win. Uh, I remember the conversations my dad would make up for people that we watched in the Dillon's parking lot while we were waiting on mom. <laughs> people to walk out and then, well, where did we park that car? <laughs> oh, shoot, I hope I got enough toilet paper. <laughs> you know, it was classy humor, right? Uh, one of his other favorite moments was when he was able to uh, slip a 12-pack of beer in someone's grocery cart at the grocery store. <laughs> someone, someone from church, someone who <laughs> did not have any intentions of being caught by him. <laughs> alcohol that day. <laughs> uh, another thing that was brought up already is that my dad often, uh, he shared a simple gospel with many of the strangers that he dealt with. He was also quick to greet new people at our church, and he could often make a connection with them either through their family or their job or their interest or anything. Uh, and like mom said, he used that same skill when he would talk to truckers. Uh, him and Eric had had truckers in and out from, like, like Eric said, all over the U.S. here recently in the last few years loading hay. Uh, it usually ended up with Dad encouraging them to go to church more, 
or even think about following Jesus. You know, Dad wasn't a learned theologian. He didn't know systematic theology, and he wasn't going to argue any of the finer points of original Greek. Really, he knew Jesus was the way and the truth and the life, and he knew that when people commit to going to church and spending time reading the Bible and praying, then God works in their lives. And that was true for my dad. Church, yeah. Sunday school, yeah. Small groups, sometimes. Helping people, yeah. Serving people when you can. Read your Bible and pray. You know, being, Christ, uh, being a Christian can be far more than that. You can read all the books and the commentaries. You can fast and meditate on the Word. You can lead groups and you can lead churches. You can even go around the world and tell people about Jesus. But it isn't often less than what Dad has invited people into. In that way, Dad put a lot of pressure on the local church to build and make followers of Jesus, those people that he would encourage to be here on a Sunday. But he wasn't alone. You know, Jesus, too, has trusted his imperfect church throughout place and history for that very thing. So I'd like to join other invitations that Kurt will bring to you today in honor of my dad to invite you to consider making church or joining a group of believers a weekly priority for your life and see if Jesus doesn't meet you in that place of commitment and routine. I'm thankful for the life of faith my dad modeled to us and my greatest comfort in this time of grief and loss has been to be able to celebrate the reality of that simple gospel. I know dad is with Jesus and I know that I will be with him there someday also. So I say thanks, Dad, and thank you, Jesus. <laughs> you know, what a dumb pastor. He's more emotional than the family is today. This is a hard one. Let me tell you about the Wickard family. Bonnie's been an admin here at the church for years. And she's been my admin since I've been here for three. One of mine. She's a friend of mine. Brent is chairman of the elder board. His wife, Cindy, is our worship leader. These are friends of mine. And I'm weirdly so glad to be able to share with you this way. <laughs> but God is good. And everything Brent said is true. You know, it used to be a thing. <laughs> I can remember uh, many funerals of this era when we actually would let, you know, you're going to be shocked that we used to do this, right? We'd let, like open mic sharing. How long would we be here today if we did that for Gary? <laughs> Just the pre your presence in this room, th words that come to mind that are uh, repeating a little bit of the idea. You know, Gary was so amicable, never met a stranger, knew everybody. So many fun conversations with Gary and Bonnie, and he'd look at her and go, we know him, right? And she'd go, no, we don't know. I, I think I know him. No, no, no. <laughs> everybody likes Gary, you know, and that's... That is not nothing. That is not nothing. 
I've got a couple. I, I promise I really won't be emotional the whole time. But it's okay. God's here. God's present, and I'm so thankful. Uh, but I, uh, since I get the microphone, I get to do a story, even though all of you... And I, I would want to encourage you, as you gather as friends and whatever, uh, after this service and whatever, don't tell those stories. Tell Gary's stories. I would encourage family. Keep telling Gary's stories, because they're great. And don't forget the ones about faith, because they're great. But uh, my story, we had a shed. <laughs> no, no, uh, an old playhouse in our backyard when we moved in here in Bueller. And uh, we don't need it. And so we asked if our friends, the Wickards, because they have a kid or two. Uh, <laughs> I've heard. Uh, would like it. And it's, yeah, let's, so, well, Gary, like Brent said, Gary would get it done, <laughs> you know, and in his time, it's all good. And so it was behind a fence, and Gary shows up, and if you don't come to Bueller and Bean, you don't know me very well, um, I get to be uh, sort of a city transplant with the, you know, the <clears throat> manly ag culture around here, so that's not exactly me, but Gary shows up with this, I don't know, little machine, and we're going to lift that playhouse over the fence. And so Brent gets up there and, and uh, hooks, it, you know, hooks it up with the strap. And, and you know what? It worked. And Gary, he's like, huh, I'm glad that worked. <laughs> it's like, dude, I thought you were, you know. And that was Gary. Whatever. If it would have broken and fallen, we'll just deal with it. It's all good. That, that, that's scary. So, again, I'm going to try to be good and not be a blubbering idiot, but there's one I just have to share with you that a lot of you don't know. So on Thursdays, almost every Thursday, Gary would come to the office with a chai for Bonnie. Gary. Gary, manly farmer, whatever else, construction guy, Gary. Hey, honey, I brought you a chai from mustard seed. <laughs> I'm going to miss that. <laughs> and I know Bonnie will, too. All right. I told my mentor, who is still a part of this church, somebody should have warned me when I came about funerals. And we had a good laugh. <laughs> but this is difficult. This one is difficult. And some of us may be tempted to ask why. And I don't want to ignore that elephant in the room and tell you as a deep, you know, educated, spiritual guy, wink, wink, I have no idea why. I have no idea why. But we should take to heart God's word from Isaiah 55. You know what it says in verse 8 and 9? Listen carefully, everybody that can hear me today. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. 
So we have to resist the temptation to try to understand and figure out a God who is indescribable and incomparable. But we have to understand that we can trust him. I haven't been in this position, sudden, uh, unexpected passing. I haven't been in this position much, but I've got a couple of stories or a couple of incidents in my history. And what I would tell them, I would tell Bonnie and all the family to say, I don't know why, but this isn't the time to then question God and turn your back on him. This is the time to grab on harder than ever to the God of the universe who gave us his son and paid it all. This is the time to really turn towards him and put your trust in him. I'm pretty sure it was Cindy several months ago by now because the song's been out for a while. She reposted some of the fantastic lyrics from a song that a lot of us are probably familiar with. It's a song by We Are Messengers, and the song is called Come What May. And if these lyrics don't stir you, if they haven't stirred you before, I hope they start stirring you today because they are powerful. And I'm going to repeat them like Cindy did in her post. In every high, in every low, on mountaintops, down broken roads, you're still my rock. My hope remains. I'll rest in the arms of Jesus, come what may. I'll rest in the arms of Jesus, come what may. Now, hope, uh, when we talk about hope at a funeral, the world doesn't get that. That's this backwards message. We use think we're going to celebrate their home going. We're going to usher them into the presence. of The world doesn't get that. It's an upside down, backwards sort of message. But it is so crucial to who we are and who we want to be because we're followers of Jesus and our hope is only in Jesus. And it's a hope for an eternity in heaven with God. And Gary's the lucky one today. Even though he left suddenly, unexpectedly, and it breaks our hearts and we grieve, we have our hope in Jesus. And that's why even the psalmist could say, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his faithful servants. What? And in Revelation 14, then I heard a voice from heaven say, write this, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. What? Yes, they will rest from their labor for their deeds will follow them. Now, I, those, both of those passages are worthy of a whole other sermon message someday. But it's just a reminder again about this upside down backwards message that we tout on an occasion like this. It's all about Jesus and our hope in him. Now, for those of you that are part of Bueller MB and have been to funerals with me before, it has been my practice, and not, uh, it has been my practice to talk for a little while, share scripture and whatever, and then towards the end I'll say, you know, we've been talking about 
celebrating homegoing and Gary's with Jesus. And, it's, and then I would say something like, it's a very different story if you don't know Jesus. So uh, I'm only going to change it up a little bit. I'm going to say that earlier than I usually would because I'm going to talk about this passage that Bonnie and the family gave us from 1 John chapter 3. So, it is still very true that if you're in this room and don't know what it means to follow Jesus, it's a very different story than the celebration we have for Gary to be in the presence of Jesus right now. But real quick, before we go, I wanted to have a look at this great passage that was one of Gary's favorites, a little bit of bookends at your wedding and at his funeral, more than appropriate. Here's what 1 John 3, the first three verses say. See, see what great love. Some of you may have an old school, might have said, behold, I like that. Behold, what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world doesn't know us is that it didn't know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But, when we, know, but we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. All right, real quick, try not to belabor here too long, but it's such a great passage. The first thing we have to recognize from this is it's all about God's love. We cannot imagine God's love for us. It is huge, more than we can comprehend. The writers of the NIV, which I use a lot, uh, they actually wanted to use that word lavished. It's really not specifically that in the original oh boy don't get bored with all that just wanted you to know that it's it's not it's bestowed right gave but the tone of this it is rich it's elaborate god lavishes his love on us how can we even fathom that you know think about a couple when you're first dating and you're all twitter pated especially boys maybe and you're just lavishing gifts on her flowers and good things to you know uh, do for her and maybe chocolates I don't know anymore you know but wanting to spend time uh, that's that's like a little bit of a picture on God's huge lavishing his love on us parents do it too which is what we're going to get to here in a minute parents can lavish their love on their children and that's what God does I, I saw this I really like this God pours out his love and goodness not with an eyedropper, but with a fire hydrant. Catch that picture. God lavishes his love on us. Okay, so then from the passage, what's the result? What's our result of this? It's incredible. He makes us his children. Now, uh, you know, I don't know what some of us in modern times might think about adoption or whatever, uh, uh, you know, what that looks like. But that's what other places in the Bible say. We are adopted children of God's. Now, in context, in the original, the, the audience that 
you know, John would have been writing to, they understood if, if a king or some other ruler, but especially a king, actually said, I'm going to adopt this child. He is mine. And, and here's what they, everybody, all his subjects would need to understand. All the rights and privileges go with that. Because the king has adopted that child. Uh, it dates some of us, and actually, I just know the story. I'm not sure I was alive for it. But you remember JFK and John John? That was such a big deal, right? Here was little John John. Some of you are like, what? Yeah, I know, it's so long ago, right? JFK was president of the United States, and they let this little kid toddle around the Oval Office under the desk, peekaboo and all that. You've seen pictures and all that. That's another little glimpse of what it means to be a child of an important ruler person. And again, it's this big, and God's lavishing on us this big that we are his children. And, and think about it. Not, uh, it it's, it's by God's choice. God said, I love you so much. I want you to be my child. And John makes it so clear. And that's what we are. That should give us all goosebumps when we hear that. Paul affirms the idea of being God's children. The idea of being children of God is all over the New Testament. But just let me remind you from Romans 8. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. And Gary is closer to his glory than any of us here, and we should be jealous. We are God's children. And one more from Galatians 3. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith, for all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Look, uh, let me make this simple. <laughs> Being a child of God's a big deal. It's really the only deal. Gary knew that. And he is. Okay, from the passage, there's one more thing we can't neglect. Maybe two. So God lavishes his love on us. We can't comprehend how much God loves us, but he lavishes his love on us. What does that mean? It means we can be his children. Okay, well, what does that mean? And the passage goes on to say, this is really cool. <laughs> In the end, we are going to see Jesus, and we're going to see him as he is. Now, this is, this is unexplainable to our current minds to really know what that means. But what an encouragement that the filters and the uh, dim looking through the glass, dimly sort of things will all be gone when we're in Jesus' presence. And ultimately at his return, right? So I, I don't know what all it means exactly, but I know that it's exciting. Think about Moses. Moses, who was a great servant of God. 
And he said, God, I want to see your glory. And God had to go, dude, you can't see my glory. It would overwhelm you. So he hid him in the cleft of a rock, right? And he passed by. Remember that story? And he sheltered him, right? So he couldn't see. This passage suggests when God lavishes his love on us and we become his children, we will actually one day be in the presence of his full glory. Wow. We will see him as he is and we will be like him. No, we're not going to be all like Jesus every which way, but we will see his perfection. We'll see his holiness and his gloriousness and his righteousness will leak out on all of us who've trusted him and will be like him. Gary's ahead of all of us. That is so exciting for him. All right, the passage then just finishes up real quick. Back to the idea of hope. And he says, all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. We know we are imperfect beings and only the perfectness and the purity of Jesus can make us pure. And there's that hope again. Okay, so make sure we're all listening. Here's the thing. Not everyone is a child of God. Not everyone is a child of God. If you don't know what it means to trust in Jesus, you don't know what it means to be his child. But our encouragement today is that Gary did. Gary did. Now, I think I would be a little bit remiss to say, and it's really sort of a duh, The suddenness, the unexpectedness of Gary's passing is a reminder to all of us. Guess what, folks? No one's guaranteed tomorrow. No one's guaranteed later today in some ways. Ask Gary. But his faith and his hope is in Jesus. And so while we mourn briefly now because we miss him, we rejoice because he's in the presence of Jesus. So I'm with Brent. If you're here today wondering about any of that, all I want to say is, boy, you never know. Might want to think about it. Might want to think about it. Let's pray. Father, Thank you for Gary's life. Thank you for his faith and trust in you. God, thank you that through Christ, he's one of your children and we can be too. God, I'm reminded that Jesus himself said, blessed are those who mourn because they will be comforted. And we all take that to heart and ask you to be our comfort and our peace in this time of loss. But God, keep our eyes focused clearly on the big picture and what it means to revel in your love, to know what it means to be your child 
and to know that we will be with you and actually see, experience, be in your glory, the glory of Jesus someday. God, thank you for being the God who loves us that much. In Jesus' name, amen. I can only imagine what it will be like when I walk by your side. I can only imagine what my eyes will see when your face is before me. I can only imagine surrounded by your glory. What will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus? Or in all of you be still Will I stand in your presence Or to my knees will I fall Will I sing hallelujah Will I be able to speak at all I can only imagine I can only imagine I can only imagine when that day comes and I find myself standing with the sun, I can only imagine. Oh, when all I will do is forever, forever worship you, I can only imagine. Surrounded by your glory. What will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus? Or in all of you be still? Will I stand in your presence? To my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak at all? I can only imagine. Oh, I can only imagine. Oh. What will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus? Or in all of you, may still will I stand in your presence? To my knees will I go? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak at all? I can only imagine. Yeah. I can only imagine.
I want to let you know, uh, interment will take place immediately following this service at Bueller East Cemetery. Uh, and I want to invite you all to a light meal following the service in the fellowship hall. Uh, we'll want to go out to the graveside and then come back and we'll have that meal together. So I want to encourage all of you to support the family that way. And uh, what's going to happen next is I'm going to give a benediction and then we're going to let the family exit first and then you may all follow and we can head out to the graveside and we'll be back for that meal uh, after that. Please hear this benediction. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope. May he encourage our hearts and strengthen us in every good deed and word. Amen.